0: Hey, this is James Andrews, and I am always tuning in to Rebel Radio. It's where the smart minds come together. Fuck you, Josh. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Tina Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Huh? Rebel Radio is going down. Would you say? Rebel Radio? <laughs> oh, wait.
1: Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the Rebels who are shaping our culture. I'm coming at you live and direct from our brand new home studio. Uh, We've started recording episodes uh, over video chat, and we'll be doing that here as long as we need to. I hope that all of you are healthy, safe, and uh, doing whatever you can to stay creative and stay connected and, um, and energized. I know it's not easy. But um, you know, let's, let's all get through it together. Send me some tips, I'll send you mine. I got lots of uh, home workouts. I'm trying to get sunshine every day. And most importantly, stay connected to those people that really keep me in it and uh, keep me on my best. Uh, one of those people is with us in the studio today, my man, James Andrews. He's one of my favorite people to talk to. We've known each other many, many years and we've kind of run along the same paths. Uh, in some ways in our careers, from music to working with brands and technology and, and all that stuff. Um, James, is, uh, he's, he's an amazing dude and he's got some great stories to tell. He was partners with Troy Carter. He, uh, he has advised everybody from Kanye to Baron Davis to Jazzy Jeff many other people and he's the founder of a new company which he calls a a startup factory and a brand advisory it's also kind of a social network it's called the authenticated i highly advise that you check it out i'll put the link in the show notes get over there you may want to join or learn more about it um and james just has some amazing stories from his journey and, uh, and a really interesting perspective about what startups and hip hop have in common and how he's applying lessons from, from the streets into the tech game and I love it and I hope you will too. Let's get into it right after the EDM.com track of the week. It's M11 with More Than Friends, the EDM.com track of the week. If you like that one, get over to EDM.com and check out more new music. And right now, let's get into the interview with James Andrews. We're going to do a masterclass class on how to build hype without believing hype.
0: Yes, build hype without believing. Because that's what believe. I
1: think, you know, we're both in that business, right? Yeah. Um,
0: Which is the sort of... Uh... Paradox I guess is it like is this idea of like when you work behind the scenes of hype and fame, how to do it without trying to become it and that's really difficult to be the toy you know like to be the, the fame maker yeah the idol maker and not become an idol you know and yeah. like being, yeah I've the... always loved being behind the scenes and on a need- to know basis my philosophy is more Clarence Avon mm-hmm. Than it is, you know, big grand empresario, you know, sure.
1: here, and so. But I, but you stepped out of the shadows in certain ways.
0: That, yeah, I do, that, but that then, I don't want to
1: talk about right because because yeah. I think that's a it's an interesting thing to navigate. Well, first of all, thank you. Yes. For doing this, I've I've been wanting to do this for a while. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm glad. Um, I know we've talked about it over the years, and timing um, is everything. I've been wanting yeah, I, This sure. is actually
0: my first interview. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, I'm excited yeah. to talk about what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna reveal some shit yeah that uh uh that people don't know about but um okay and i'm excited because you know we've known each other uh since pretty much college days ucla yeah and have kind of watched each other grow up yeah in this business and in in multiple businesses yeah um and so i feel like you know i consider you a friend and and there's also so much i don't know about you
0: yeah i know so So cool uh,
1: so yeah let's get into (laughs) it um so uh, you know I know you're at UCLA, and and then kind of found your way into music. Um,
0: well, was that UCLA? Yes, that was a short that was a short lived.
1: <laughs> yeah, as it happens. Journey. Uh, go back before that, because you're from the yeah. Bay, like I am. Yeah. Um, what were you into as a kid? What was your first? Uh, what was the first record you ever bought?
0: Uh, Earth, wind, and fire, um, forty-five. Um, uh, whatever the record is with the emotions. I can't even think of the record. Mm. Um, uh, Firecracker yeah. um, was another 45. Another uh, those right are record. the first 45s, I remember. <laughs> and then, you know, then I can remember vividly. Rapper's delight. Like I like can remember yeah. riding my bike around a park either in Alameda or Oakland when that record hit and that was just like game on. Um but I moved from Oakland, Alameda, Berkeley, which is kind of which is random that we probably didn't meet the went to yeah. Thousand Oaks Elementary School. Funny. Um you uh, went to the, uh... <clears throat> school, uh, elementary school in Berkeley, right? <sighs>
1: No, I went for a week. You did? To, uh, I went to kindergarten for a week, and then they pulled me out because I already knew how to read. Okay. And they were like, it was wasting our time. Okay. I forget what. So you
0: went straight from there to UCLA? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but you grew up in Berkeley, right?
1: No, I lived in Oakland until I was oh. eight. Okay. Uh, And then San Francisco. Oh, you lived in San...
0: Okay, I didn't realize that. See? Learning stuff on this podcast. (laughs) So I moved to the whole other side of the bay, which which was Palo Alto. And that was like being sort of like a... It was like Fresh Prince from Bel-Air, right? I definitely... I'm sure. um, Went into a completely different... I mean, everybody was different. The black people, the white people. Everybody was like just another version, you know, on that side of the bay, just strangely. Um, And I grew up... Um, so my mother was, uh, I was raised in a single mother home. My mother was born in Italy to mm-hmm. a German Jew, but my mom is like super woke. So I have like the woke white, white mom story. Mm-hmm. I grew up like in sort of like, you know, Panther aura. My mm-hmm. mom, you know, hung out in the movement. My father ran with the movement. Mm-hmm. I was in Swahili school. Uh, I remember we lived down the street from Spangers. Nice. Like I was like a true... Bay Area kid. If you look in the dictionary, that's probably yeah. who I was. And then I, um, my father wasn't around. My father was from the Bahamas, uh, was also part of the movement. Left my mother, and he split when I was like five. And I, um, I ended up like just being really fast, really bad, just getting into trouble, headed headed to nowhere, cutting school. Um, you know, smoking weed early, mm-hmm. like playing around with girls early mm-hmm. and ended up moving to Palo Alto to try it out to do like a trial thing with my aunt with my aunt mm. and uh, I, I went to move with my aunt in uh, eighth grade, and uh, I, my aunt lived with her roommate, who was her business partner. My aunt had like what you would call an advertising agency back then mm-hmm. like a branding agency, mm-hmm. and my aunt's roommate turned out to be her lover. I didn't know that I was living right with two women that are sure. living. So I live with two white women, basically. Yeah. And uh That's they were gay. And it was so super bae. I'm so bae to the core. Um and I live with these two white women. My black friends are come and be like, Who's this white woman? My aunt. Who's the other white woman? My, <laughs> My other aunt. Okay, cool. Let's go. Right. And I think they just accepted me and um yeah, Palo Alto was like <clears throat> really
1: I I just want to stop you for a second. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny I you know all the shit that we worry about getting out, when you're a kid.
0: Yeah, right.
1: And then you find no one cares.
0: Nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. Like yeah, nobody cares, and everyone has their own family situation. For sure. And but we but, but think the, at the us, core, you always think like oh like our, I remember like I used to listen to Depeche Mode and like Thompson Twins and like. Yeah. New Order and like I'd be like oh man I gotta hide these records from my black friends like they right. can't see that I'm listening to like Billy Idol yeah no one really cares like it, yeah, it's yeah just like so much like so it, much so much time wasted
1: I mean that's the thing about youth right and, yeah and I know you have kids and, and yeah it's like the, the shit that we worried about yeah that's inconsequential
0: totally Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, luckily I was a kid who didn't spend a lot of time caring about I mean, I think the great thing about having a gay aunt who's like my who's like basically like my second mother. Mm -hmm. And and growing up mixed, you know, which can go bad for some kids. For me, I had the white mom who was like, We're white, you're black, go out and enjoy the world. Like I didn't have any like mixed kid issues I didn't have any like oh my gosh I'm Jewish my grandfather was a German Jew escaped Nazi Germany went to Italy my mother Mm. was born in Italy to a German Jew um I didn't know about that part of my family until like honestly last probably 15 years I I knew about I mean like right right right, right. but I didn't didn't really yeah I wasn't even even given that like not given the freedom but I didn't even explore it because it was like you are a black boy in America right and this is what you're gonna deal with. Yeah. And so I didn't really have like any mixed kid issues. I was very comfortable around white people, very comfortable around black people. Um, and so yeah, so I grew up in Palo Alto, man, and, and ended up, you know, honestly, the first like, hip hop I, I that I actually was exposed to was um, through KZSU, which was the Stanford station, and, mm. and Kevin Kev Cool Breeze. Okay, Kevin Montague, shout yeah. out to Kevi Kev. Kev. Um, and Kevi Kev was a Stanford student, and back then hip hop, as you well know, was only played on college radio stations. So, I like would listen to KZSU and go up to the station and go, right. like in like high school, yeah. I was like you know searching for it. I was yeah. looking for it, yeah. and then I thought I was a b boy. So I would go back to the East Bay because I thought I could break dance. So I'd bring mm-hmm. my linoleum mm-hmm. and I would battle the Filipinos on on the mm-hmm. pier. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I thought I was a B-boy. I thought I was a dancer. I thought I could, you know. But yeah, I was, I'm was. i every Bay Area kid. You know what I'm saying? I know yeah. all the cultures. I know I, the great thing about being from the Bay is like, you know the difference between you're talking and Samoan and you get beat up. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? You know, mm-hmm. gung Fa Choi means happy new year. That's you know, right. like... Like I eat good lumpia, you know what I mean. Like I am proper Bay Area, yeah. and I feel like in many ways, <clears throat> it's an. I always say as a T-shirt I'm gonna put out. It's an unfair advantage to be a, a kid from the Bay Area in the '70s because we truly embraced every culture. I know all the. No I know all the things about all the cultures. And so when New Yorkers are like, yeah, it's so diverse here in New York. I'm like, yeah, it is. But like, dude, I like these it's are my diverse, homies but everybody hates each other <laughs> everybody hates each other exactly <laughs> and for us we grew up like you know you know we all man we all loved each other like I yeah. you know like I literally know a good lumpia from a good lumpia I know <laughs> I know I know I know everything because yeah. I grew up like right. exposed to all the cultures so that really is and I, I I punch that point because that really drives me today like I mean I really feel like I am ethnically ambiguous, mm. which is great, and I've embraced that, you mm-hmm. know. So I can go to Ethiopians, they think I'm Ethiopian. I go to Brazil, I speak, you know, Tuba, I go to India, they think I'm from Goa. And that, I attribute all of that to, to the Bay. That's some Bay shit. Like, yeah. Bay shit is like, you're my people, you're my yeah. gente. You know, and like, that's just the way, that's the only way I, I, I knew how to, how to move in the world. It really empowers it everything I do today.
1: Rebel Radio is brought to you by the Capital One Walmart Rewards Card. Earn 5% back at Walmart Online. Games for the kids, headphones for dad, a laptop for mom, doesn't matter. You get 5% back at Walmart Online. You also earn 2% at Walmart in-store, restaurants, and travel, and 1% everywhere else. When you want all that, you need the Capital One Walmart Rewards Card. What's in your wallet? Terms and conditions apply. Capital One N.A. Yeah, that's so interesting because here we are, you know, many years removed from that, and and you've had, uh, you know, experiences and accomplishments along the way, and yeah. and yet and still like that early experience, you know, continues to. I, you know, I find with myself, right? Yeah. It it it, uh, it still powers who I am. Yeah. And uh, even though I don't, sometimes I don't feel like that kid yeah. anymore, but but it's still there with
0: you. You know what it is? I've now lived around other parts of the world, and I'm fresh back in L.A. three yeah. years. So I'm, like, tapping into that. Like, I go back to the Bay and climb the tree in Alameda. I go to Berkeley now. Right. Like, I wrote an entire business plan, literally in Berkeley, Oakland, Alameda, Palo Alto. Oh, cool. I just, like, did this whole kind of, like, thing. So mm-hmm. i also been living on the East Coast for so long. Now that I'm fresh back here, yeah. I just approach it like... Ch- I had all these, like... You know, oh my gosh! I used to like go to this park. I used, but mm-hmm. I wasn't going. And then I would come back here, and I would, every once in a while I would go back to the bay. But now that I live on the west coast. And and LA is also a part of my journey. Um, I I actually relive it, Mm -hmm. being here on Fairfax. I mean, being in this office, which is random, the guy who owns this office was my intern when he was in high school. So everything ends up becoming, you know, shout out to Mike Karen. Um, You know, everything ends up being like this full circle moment. And I don't feel any older, but like I get to like reference all these kind of things. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. It's like I said, it's a pleasure just to be sitting across from you because I feel like you and I are just immortal. Like we're, we're like not getting any older For sure. and yet we've seen so much and we're tapped into so many different cultures.
1: Yeah. Um, I want to talk about immortal, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you said something, you know, talking about discovering, um, rapper's delight and, Yeah. you know, and I had that same exact experience, you know, in third, fourth grade, whatever yeah. that was. And... um you class 88? Uh, 89. 89, okay. Yeah, so that must have been fourth grade. Yeah. But, uh, so, how does, how does it, you know, it's, it's so interesting, like, because I know you work with, you know, a lot of young people, like I do, <coughs> who don't have the experience of before hip-hop. Yeah. Or even before hip-hop was mainstream. Right. Right. In a lot of cases, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And, you know, I think it's hard sometimes to relate to just how different the world is. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Does does that, like, do do you catch yourself, you know, kind of? seeing things, you know, differently or, or you know, when you're talking to young people, like, uh, I don't know, to me, it was like, it's such a fundamentally different thing to have been somebody that was early into hip hop, Mm -hmm. you know, that's now become this global cultural phenomenon Mm -hmm. that, you know, transcends music, transcends race uh, in a lot of ways. Mm I don't know.
0: I find that I catch myself... um, Trying to articulate hip-hop beyond the five forces a little bit yeah, and I try to um, Think about like the way we do business as a you know one of the forces Mm -hmm. and so I think like everything is hip-hop to me because the way we do business the way you break something like you break a record the same way you break a Matcha shop on Melrose. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it. It. I try to like magnify it to the point to say, you know, what you love, like the artist you love, is part of a of a movement that transcends even just the artists. Um, and I and I, you and I are old enough to be able to look at something and be like, there. You. There's so much hip hop reference in. Right in even that yeah um i've been writing a lot and i've been writing a lot lately about <clears throat> the fact that hip-hop is like the original lean startup mm-hmm. and you know in the lean startup paradigm which powers sort of silicon valley's idea of software development and how you launch startups um you know there's this idea of a minimal viable product and there's this idea that you take this this rough you know software or rough Version of of, a, of an app, let's mm-hmm, say mm-hmm. you put it out to the streets and then you let the consumer and the audience kind of react to it, and that's basically what we did with mixtapes. Right. Like that's essentially yeah. like there's a parallel because you be, you would put a mixtape out in the street, you would see how the street reacts, and then you would bring it in and put it on the album. Mm-hmm. So I've been able to, I think, <clears throat> lately, you know, become my own kind of rapper and lyricist in many ways, in kind of like weaving in these analogies of hip hop the business and the art to like today's you know reference points mm-hmm. you know of culture and business and they are so connected mm-hmm. you know um it's why ben horowitz references them in so many of his his work and so yeah. many of his books and um and that's why you know he's 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 going back to his own library of pulling on on that because the guys that we worked with were the greatest entrepreneurs that, that, you know, some of them I've ever seen. The guys we worked with were some of the greatest scientists and engineers we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But when you come from the South Bronx and you take apart a turntable and you put it back together again, um, if you were in Atlanta and you went to Georgia Tech, they'd call you an engineer. But in the 70s, they just call you, you know, you know, uh, whatever, Jam Master, whoever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I try to, like, I've been trying to zoom out a lot lately and go, you know, the red and green wires in the Bronx and, like, the ability to, like, wire up the, the, the jams in the park are the innovators. The, those, are yeah. the, those are the early versions of, um, of engineers. And to be honest with you, I've been in <laughs> technology so long that people don't really remember, like, the dudes who had the laptops... And had the computers, were my friends who were DJ Jazzy Jeff, who were D Nice. Right. Like, people forget that, like, computers and offices and all of that tech stuff really, my first, the first people who I was gadgeting and nerding out about gadgets with were music producers. Mm-hmm. And so it, I, I tend to, like, be, yes, this guy in the room going, oh, listen to the young people. <laughs> but, um, but I feel like we have a debt. Of making sure that we don't lose this thread that like you are in these positions you know you know Kobe is in this position you know he's been propelled by a generation of us yeah. um, <clears throat> that you know come from from this art form you know and, and, and I, I love that you know I also come from a generation where like like we were at Gavin with these guys named Andre, and, mm-hmm. you know, an mm-hmm. outcast, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so it wasn't like we were all kind of like pushing the culture forward, right? And people weren't flying on G5s back then, yeah. And so it was very like you were mano y mano with the the artisans, and um,
1: yeah, you used to go on everybody's on the same plane. You on the same the plane? Same we all fly the same
0: plane. We're the same hotels. Yeah. And so now it's become this global thing, you know. Um, just try to remind remind folks that we're you know we're 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 watching you know this incredible um innovation that affects so many things and kids can't just get focused on like the you know the 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 rapper of the moment mm-hmm. but like what is the art form done what is the art form as as in totality what is it done in sports business fashion language you know and then the the sidebar too is if not for the bay area none of this would exist (laughs) because the other part of this is 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 that we and i say that joking not joking that what i love about hip-hop is it's the most inclusive of the genres and that inclusivity yes it starts with the jamaicans and the dominicans and you know the folks coming and building the -hmm. early versions of hip-hop but if not for the contributions of the Asian community, if not for the contributions of the Latino community, which happens here on the West Coast, hip hop doesn't become what it becomes. No so like, it's very important to like, put that narrative together. And so, yeah, that's why I, I, I think it, we're in special times. And, and it'll be interesting to see where the music goes.
1: Um, so you, know, you start talking about Jeff and, and some of the people that you've worked with along the years. I know um, there's been a lot of them. So who who taught you important things early on?
0: Mm. Well, um, so when I got to UCLA, I got to UCLA by way of my best friend's mother, Dion Warwick. Mm. And so I basically used to go from Westwood to Beverly Hills. And Dion Warwick was like my second mother. Oh, wow. Uh... If you see me walking down the street and I start to cry each time we meet, walk on by. And so I got put up on a lot of games. That house. I'm sure. Because that it's house.
1: Funny. I only know her from. I mean, I know her now. But yeah. I only knew her from Solid Gold, like Solid Gold, Psychic
0: yeah. Network. People always have the reference points. But what I know, I just knew her as mom. I knew yeah. her as David's mom. Yeah. And my friend David Elliott was in his, just a super talented guy. And their house was like my little, like I would leave, you know, Hedrick and go to, to Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. and um, I met gangsters. I met, you know, I met Clarence Avant, mm-hmm. who was my friend's real godfather. Mm-hmm. Um, he lived next door to the Mendez brothers. I remember that. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I <clears throat> met so many people, but she really, she was an early, early mentor. Uh, Whitney Houston, I spent a lot of time because that's obviously her niece, you know. Yeah. Um, but I really, Whitney, I mean, Dion was... Was definitely like a, a very inspired. I mean, I didn't. I'm from the Bay. Like, I'm like, how do I, you know, Sammy Davis Jr., Paley, bit all these people are at their house. So I'm like, right. I. This was like unheard of. Yeah. Um, so that was one. Um, and then Clarence Avon, Yeah, I mean, I think even back then. I mean, he didn't. I was like nothing to him then. Mm-hmm. But like just you know, hearing the stories and, and and so you know you see the Black Godfather on Netflix. Like, I knew all those stories already. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, um, worked with Happy Walters, you know, at Immortal. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, people have a lot of things to say about Happy, but that guy was, my wife will always say, that's the best boss you ever had, Um, in that Happy was, was, you know, Happy was a motherfucker, but but Happy really ran a, a corporate culture. Um, that was really unique, and we did spin class in our office. Oh, wow. Like we really, we went I, to. Ha- I think I remember that. We, we did. We yeah. went to Hawaii. Like we were like, you know, we went somewhere, somewhere right. far. Yeah. But he really cared about uh, the employees, and he was he was super. He was he was generous. I wouldn't. I would happy. I'm not going to give you super, but I would give <laughs> give you know generous to to the people, and um, you know he's he was from the Midwest, so he had very differing like kind of point of view and, and, and he shared his point of view and it wasn't my point of view sometimes, mm-hmm. but it was great to be able to, to, to talk through it. Now living on the other side of the country, I actually appreciate other points of view. Sure. I think in California we get so caught up with like, you know, this sort of liberal West Coast point of view. I, I live in the South now. Yeah. So I've, I've, you know, I'm, I actually want to sit at the table with people that don't necessarily grow up with the same point of view, mm-hmm. so I that that was happy. Happy was was an interesting one. Um, yeah, yeah. Were, and I think were you
1: were you, uh, you know, it's sometimes it's easy to look back and say, "Wow, I, I really learned a lot from that experience." Yeah. And whatever. Sometimes when you're in it, especially when you're young, you know, you focus on the motherfucker part of part of that. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, like, have you always been good at learning in the moment? From these things or is that or you know or, or does that happen in hindsight
0: I think it, I got better at it um, my third sort of Mount Rushmore of, okay. of, of icons and mentors was a man named LeBaron Taylor mm-hmm. <coughs> LeBaron Taylor was the first ever black music uh, head of black music at Columbia Records okay LeBaron died um, probably I don't know he's my mentor and then I would say like uh, five years later he was dead and when I started losing my mentors, I think that's when I started going, huh, what was that about, mm. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what was that short window of time? How did I get so lucky, and what did I take away? So as I started going to funerals, mm-hmm. I think I started to reflect on, and started to live more in the moment of me sitting across from an OG.
1: Yeah.
0: you know, um, George Jackson was another mentor of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, George was a filmmaker, did Crush Groove, Jason's Lyric, did Lime to Love and Hate. He, he was one of the founders of a dot-com that I worked at same thing. He died uh, of a heart attack and a stroke uh, While we were building our company he died in the backseat yeah, yeah, yeah. of, a, of a New York City taxi cab. Yeah. So I think like Having death um, Makes me really appreciate the moments I have with the people who you know are just super profound and I, I think I can see the asshole but i can also respect and and appreciate like the time i'm spending with with anybody whether they're a mentor or or, you know kobe Bryant.
1: yeah i mean that's so interesting and i want to talk about that because um um you know i saw your post this morning that uh that you think of kobe as as the jfk for our generation
0: I, Um, i i rephrased it actually oh you did I I it, it, I think of the way that this the the effect that JFK had on that generation. It there's a similar effect that I'm seeing with Kobe, and I'm now going to add Nipsey. Mm-hmm. I actually think that, like, <clears throat> what I really mean by that is um, that I, I think people were really shocked. I mean, JFK was the president of the United States, so that's probably you know, but I don't even think no, I people. It. I I think people's long adoration and long sort of like longing for JFK I and mean, I remember being in the 70s and like oh, oh, yeah. and he had been dead for, sure. for a long time but like people still right. you know and I think you know same thing with, with Kobe I think his his life will be remembered and people will be pulling out quotes and people the same way JFK who'll yeah. be like, Oh, remember when he said that and you know, all those kinds of things And the same thing I would say is happening with Nipsey. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can't, I couldn't name I'll be honest, with you, I couldn't name six Nipsey songs. Sure. But like he sure. left us such a code, you know, such you know, and, and I, I think that's when young people, people dying young um, they have all you know they have all these folders of things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think about that a lot even in my own life like I, I use moleskin so I write mm-hmm. a lot of my ideas in moleskins and mm-hmm. I, each one has its own thing and I tell my kids all the time something happens to me all the moleskins are right there all the ideas because I'm yeah. a futurist so yeah. I think in the future yeah. so a lot of my ideas are sitting in those moleskins and that's what we have with you know albums that's what we have with you know the YouTube interviews with Kobe and mm-hmm. um, and so, yeah, I think that, you know, that's really what I meant about the JFK reference.
1: No, I get it. And I think it's interesting. Um, uh, well, a couple things, you know, one, I'm, I'm just finishing the Miles Davis autobiography. Oh, wow. Uh, which is great. But I mentioned it to a friend of mine who's a musician. who okay. started in jazz. And he was like, that guy, he's like, you know, dismissive. He was like, Miles is a great musician, but everything I've heard was that he was an asshole. Like, mm. why, would, why would I want to read his? Oh, wow autobiography and uh and so listening to it he's definitely an asshole right <laughs> and he's definitely a genius and he's definitely a pioneer and all these things together right and and he comes it's funny i just finished the book this morning oh wow and the last <laughs> chapter he is re, he is it's a great thing that that came out 20 years ago mm. not today oh wow because in the last chapter he's racist and sexist and oh he wow he just says a whole bunch of shit that would have gotten him canceled potentially huh. um today wow uh but it's, just, it's a different time yeah right? it's a different time. And you can't judge it totally based on today's rules right? yeah but my point was um i you know you bring up nipsey right it's so interesting because nipsey was not famous by our definition right. when he was alive right he's way more famous now yeah than he was then right yeah um and his legacy is is becoming more meaningful mm-hmm. through his death mm-hmm. and um and then you have a kobe who was mega famous right you know and died before right. his time right, right. And, and so i think it's it's interesting to see how these legacies are going to shape us yeah and to your point about jfk you know i have always said I feel like America as a country hasn't recovered yet from Martin Luther King, right from JFK, Bobby Kennedy, like that, right. that yeah. whole, really the the three of them in yeah. particular, right. Um, but right. we're still dealing with that yeah. and what it means to yeah. us. Yeah. Um, and, and this idea though, that like a miles that we can learn from people who might be imperfect.
0: Right, exactly. I mean, I'm imperfect. <laughs> we're all imperfect. Sure. Yeah. And we're all, you know, moving and works in progress. And mm-hmm. um, there's someone's going to listen to this interview and be like, this asshole's on this podcast show. You know, like. I hope so. Cause I hope I, so. That's good. Go, let, me, let me hear what he has to say. I'm going to send this to all the assholes. But uh, <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm a different person today than I was, you know, and, and, and you know. Give me an example. Um you know I have been through so many uh, things uh in my personal and professional life uh whether it's the family whether it's business partners that didn't pan out mm-hmm. um whether it's you know my marriage you know, that, it, that it, for me at this point, <clears throat> I think it's like when they talk about the old people that they just like, they don't give a lot of fucks. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of like, I don't, the things that I valued before, um, I just don't value them the same way. And the things that are like, you know, resonant and real, you know, and I, and, and I, I wanna, I've always been a guy who knows a lot of people. Yeah. I, I would say that coming up, I was always quote unquote popular. Mm-hmm. I 've always been a guy in the industry that knows a lot of people. I think today I want to be um, I want to impact a lot of people, but I only have time to really get to know a certain amount of people and I hope that they carry my legacy through you know if anything ever happened to me, God willing you know um, and I, and, I, and I look at my kids I want my kids to to carry on you know who I am and I think um, I am like a socialite but I'm an extrovert, right? So I've learned a lot about that, right? The fact that like I know a ton of people and I feel so fortunate that I know a wide diversity of people around the planet. Um and but I I I'm I really moving forward, I just want to get to know people mm-hmm. really intimately and that's why I built my own social network really mm-hmm. is cuz I really want to get to know like this core, you know, a smaller group of people, n- devoid of whatever their title is. I actually could care less. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I've learned a lot about, you know, the value of money, the value of time, the value of relationships, and honestly, how to give it away yeah. and not and not and be okay with that. And be and 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 a pastor once said, um, "I want to die empty." Mm. For me, I want to die empty. I want to mm-hmm. die like. I've I've availed myself of every idea. I've availed myself of every opportunity. You know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. to die full would just be you know would be would be horrible. I want sure. I want to leave it all on the court. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's why I, I think that's what I've I've come into into my into my mature years kind of respecting is like you know it's it, the things that matter don't really matter. Right. And you know what miracles are happening all around us, and we're mm-hmm. just probably asleep and not seeing them. So I live in this kind of miracle-gazing world where okay. I see everything through the lens of miracles.
1: It's great. That's how we like it. Um, I think what you're doing with authenticated is so interesting and I'm I'm so excited to be there kind of, you know, yeah, you're watching on the it from four row. Um, it's actually the
0: authenticated, The guy.
1: authenticated. Okay, cool. Because it's
0: now you're you're part of like you guys are the authenticated.
1: Okay. Nice. <laughs> um, uh, but talk about that, and and you know, I think about obviously our our lives are dominated by social networks, right? Yeah. In the business sense,
0: yeah.
1: you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, right? Are, are these giants that have impact on elections and careers and yeah. relationships and you know so many things, right? And so much of that is based on their scale.
0: Yeah,
1: and then I think we've been hearing and talking about the rise of these like niche social networks Mm -hmm. but we haven't really seen it yet in a meaningful way or maybe you have i haven't really seen that play out the way that i think we're we're expecting it to right so uh, so let's talk a little bit about what are you building and why what what led you to this
0: um well in many ways it's a social experiment Mm -hmm. um you know i um believe that, yes, while we have lots of platforms and places to kind of create these sort of communities, that people are still lonely. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> people are still, um, feel like they don't have a mentor, or feel like they don't have a homeboy or a hookup or a plug. Right. And I just, you know, I've been in, in, in the social media tech world for so long. I just started to be like, okay, well, if there's all these platforms, why do people feel so so distant and so alone um i really liked path do you remember path mm-hmm. i was on path and path was really cool um shout out to dave Morin. he he created this um this community you could only have 150 people i think is price. right and i really enjoyed that yeah i really enjoyed i was in this like you know this little small tribe um and i really enjoyed being in this like small nucleus and and how deep we could go because we felt like Oh, I was in the small path group mm-hmm. um, and then um, you know some other things happened. I I, uh, I went to Israel I started spending a lot of time in Israel uh, and I helped a, a big billionaire philanthropist build these trips to Israel mm. and um, when we were designing the trips and what would happen post the trip you know when you go to Israel if you have you been to Israel no okay so when you go to Israel the land itself speaks to you and the people speak to you and the, the antiquity and the Tower of David and the mm. Sea of Galilee and like, you know, all these amazing things. And so you have this experience with someone and you come back and you're like, I mean, it's so mega. I can't even put it in words, but you're like, I got to like stay connected to you because we just right. went through this experience. Sure. So you end up sure. going in a WhatsApp group. Right. And then you start going, I'm going to go to Shabbat dinner because mm-hmm. I want to spend more time with this person that just experienced this thing with me. So I started after the trip, we started doing these like smaller cluster WhatsApp groups. There were 40 people on these trips. Right. And I just started to see the power of community at a tribal level, mm-hmm. um, the power of a tribe. Um, you know, when, you, when you're when you in Israel and you go to kibbutz and you, you see how people live in tribe, um, even the term tribe is, is special. Yeah. Um, and so, um, I just began to reimagine what would that look like and feel like in my own community if I could sort of build this this tribe. Even in the Christian church, there's a paradigm called the, the purpose driven life, which is what Rick Warren created. And there's like purpose driven church and then there's these things called small groups. So you go to church on Sunday and then you, you go into a motorcycle Christian group or fans of the Raiders or like and like there's this idea of like These are my homies. I'm Mm -hmm. down with this tribe. And that's really what hip hop was, right? Like Mm -hmm. when you were like, you know, I'm down with hieroglyphics or I'm down with like these like gangs, you know what I mean? And like I just got to really feeling like we were losing that. And so what I really wanted to create was a a social experiment around tribes that could go super deep in the online space and that could also convene in the offline space. Mm I also found in the offline space there were tons of gatherings there's summits and gatherings and these and that and that There's so many of these things right again So many people being feeling like oh, I'm at the place. I'm hearing the great panel, but I feel so alone I went to Ted. I went to all these things over the last five years And I feel like a lot of people don't think about the and then what Mm -hmm. so like I went to a thing Mm -hmm. And then what am I supposed to do with that feeling and we kind of solved that a little bit when we went to Israel Mm -hmm. We're like, okay the, and then what is a Shabbat dinner? The, and then what is you go into a WhatsApp group? And so as I started to design this for clients, I started to think about it in my own, my own community. Um, and so I started with the sticky part, which is the harder part. How do you actually keep people connected yeah, online? Sure. The event producing and the experience part tip for me, because I've been doing it so long, because I come from entertainment, mm-hmm. I can do that really easy. Right. The harder part is how do I get people to like just love each other on a daily basis mm-hmm. and come back and use whatever platform. I started off on WhatsApp and Slack, as you know. You were a part of that. Um, and then I've s- recently moved to my own app. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of that is to sort of prove out a model of sticky, and then we'll start creating experiences. And by the time we do experiences, it's going to be like a love fest because right. you've already been in this communication with this person. Then when you go back after the experience, you're gonna go back on the platform, you're gonna be like super into it. Sure. And so, um, so, yeah, we're planning a series of, of experiences called Authenticated 36, mm-hmm. A36. We're doing 36 hours in cities, because I believe that's about as much attention span as people have. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe I can pack in enough of information in 36 hours where you're like, whoa, that's amazing. And it's like a, just a quick little drug hit. Yeah. And it also gives you an opportunity to, to learn about a city you think you know, mm-hmm. like you don't know the Miami that I know, you don't know the Detroit I know, yeah, you don't sure. know these cities I know, and I'm going to take you into the Oakland you never knew, and you know, I'm going to take you into these places that like, you think you know, um, and that shared experience is going to create a bond between people. And honestly, to, to the end, I think I want to build better businesses with, with people. Mm-hmm. I think I want to invest in things with people. And I think I just want to, I want people to convene with each other and see that we can offer value. Um, my businesses in my day job, you know, work, I work a lot with venture firms. I work a lot with startups. And I find that venture firms um, you know, don't really think about community and don't really think no, about brand. Right. And so I just decided to take that kind of approach in what I do. I'm thinking about community a lot. Mm-hmm. I think community powers everything. Mm-hmm. I think small niche communities are everything. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, even if you look at, you know, whether it's a Laker community or Raider community or could be a matcha, cha-cha matcha community on Mel- on, on right. Yeah, Like community drives business. Sure and communities are the lifeblood of um so many areas and so i'm a bit of a social scientist and an entrepreneur kind of in a, in a little bit of a, of a of an experiment
1: i mean that's so interesting and i think the the part you know obviously community is a is a buzzword or has been right and yeah and um but i think they get it wrong yeah and i think it's back to what you're talking about which is you know I mean, it's, it's back to hip-hop, which is, yeah. it misses the, the fandom.
0: Yeah.
1: Right, that, that yeah. if you're, if you're a, a Hiro fan and you see that symbol with the three, you know, with the third eye, right, you know, on, a, on someone on, on the bus, right. you know, across the room or whatever, yeah, like, that's your community. That's right. And, you know, yeah. or, you know.
0: We but there's always, a set of values that you know that, that those three stand for. There's also like there's a symbol of like, that's my tribe, that's For my sure. people. And yeah. that's, what, and that's what, what's missing from, I hate to be the old guy in the room, but there is that part of hip hop that I do, I, when I am in the room and the, those questions come up like you talked about, like, do you ever find yourself in the room? you're missing that wink wink, that just little look, because we had to we had to search for the records. We had to search yeah. for the gear. We had to search for the thing. And there was so much in the discovery that when you discovered it, it could just be one little thing, be like, yo, dude, he got that. Wooty wooty woo. And like the symbols, I feel like I'm not saying they're not there. I'm not, you know, but they they're they are they are just it's a different it's a Virgil Abloh moment where yeah. like you know, it's a li- it's gone it goes fast really quickly and like you just know like if you had the too short tape,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you were amongst the elite. For sure. I had the cookie puss, Beastie oh, nice. Boys yeah. from a kid who went to S. I right. who like was like, yo, there's these white rappers called Beastie Boys and yeah. he played me Cookie Puss first. People these people don't even know what we're talking about, Josh, by the way. Yeah, Cookie Puss playing, was, <laughs> was the BC boys. Like the, I was like, yeah. what the hell is this? Yeah. Oh. Yo, you? Yes, what's
1: your name? Hello? Hello, man. You got Cookie Puss's number?
0: He'll help you. So yeah, I just think like that part of it is lo- and to your point, like how do we bring that back? How do we bring like small it starts in small tribes?
1: Yeah. It, I think it has to, and I think, um, you know, it's funny, like, the exclusivity is so important.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? And right. that's something that we are yeah, we're losing in society. And I, I, yeah. I don't, you know, yeah, I don't want to gripe too much. Like, <laughs> I, know, it is, I know. It just is what it is, right? It is but, what it is. But I think, you know, if we're building businesses or building communities, we have to think about how to preserve some of that. Right? Totally. And so, totally. you know. For, because what we're talking about is when, when we were the only kids, maybe in our high school or whatever, yeah, you know, that were into hip hop or into depression mode or whatever it is, right? There was like, well, people didn't know it; they didn't have access to that information. No, they didn't have. Uh, they didn't know where to find it. You know, yeah. like I have a lifelong beef with Urban Outfitters, um, right? Okay. Because, because. I'm of the the era and the mindset where I don't want people to be able to go find the cool shit. Right. At, right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you know, I, I, yeah. I appreciated those days when the hip hop shop was the place you had, a, it was right down here. Hex had the hip hop shop, you know,
0: yeah.
1: uh, off of Genesee or whatever street it was right, like, right off Melrose. Right? right. And like, and it, from UCLA, like the, Kids yeah. didn't know that that store existed, exactly. didn't know how to get there, wouldn't have felt comfortable walking in, Right. even if they were, you know, right. interested. Yeah. And I think that created value. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we lose some of that. And with, you know, with lots of benefits on the other side, yeah. the trade-offs are not yeah. one-sided, right? Yeah. But I think it's, it's important that we, we think about how to build those elements into the experience.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why I'm intentionally small. Like it's yep. not. I mean, and to be honest with you, this is my mixtape. I'm in my mixtape period, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, sure. where I'm just building sure. a mixtape. I'm yep. learning a ton about, you know, everything from people, behavior, um, what people are looking for, um, how my own voice can come through. I'm becoming a writer, yeah. so I'm trying to use the community to like, you know, to like I, the JFK thing. I, mm-hmm. I threw it out this morning, and like I wanted before I put it out to in a blog post, I'm kind of like. Right sampling it in yeah, my crew like what are your thoughts side. you know sure. I have very smart people in there and I may not even agree with what your response is right. but I just like to see how what kind of emotive what kind of emotion is this, does this this do for you and yeah, um, yeah and I think that I, I'm spending more and more time with entrepreneurs um, companies brands businesses that like skip this step they right. skip the step of discovery yeah they skip the step of like, how do you make this something that people would want to discover? Like, I'm getting inbound people wanting to join Authenticate mm-hmm. now. And mm-hmm. I'm like, so that's a data point. I'm like, right. okay, the word's starting to spread. This I right. haven't done anything yet. Right. And it's, you know, it's like the early days of breaking a record. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, keep this, preserve this. You know, I want you guys to always, you know, in my community to like know that like I'm vetting and there's mm-hmm. preservation in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I could easily open this up and go, you know, like, you know, it's just like, for me, I want to like preserve something. And and I just met with an entrepreneur yesterday. She does amazing experiences that are, you know, like an event experience, right? But she's taken this like Hasidic background that she Mm -hmm. grew up in and like revamped kind of a Shabbat kind of thing and does these like beautiful experiences and she's like doing them for other brands and I'm like, you gotta like, because what you do is so right. special. Yeah. Like people can feel it in the room mm-hmm. and it's like, you don't want to give that away to everybody. And, and 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 that's how I feel. Like it's, some things are just meant to be preserved and, and you know, I want to always kind of protect that. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I... Study from the best. I'm, I'm a student like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and that's the other thing is just like being a student. Like I dropped out of my last year of UCLA and I treat life like academia. Mm-hmm. So everything is study for me. Mm-hmm. Everything is like I'm always reading, always learning and always, you know, one of my other hallmark heroes in our, in our roadmap um, is Jane Fonda. Mm. And I actually worked with her. Uh, she was my first client Oh wow. when I built my social media agency. Yeah And I launched Janefonda.com after meeting Jane for breakfast within 12 days. And at 72, I was teaching Jane Fonda how to use WordPress, mm-hmm. how to use Twitter, um, 2008, this was. Um, and it was just amazing because I ended up going to her ranch in New Mexico, and I was walking around and she was just like. I'm always a student. I'm always like learning. I'm like, Oh, you're 72 and you're like, like I'm teaching you like how to <laughs> sit in the back with Liza Minnelli and take right. a photo and upload it to, to WordPress, Amazing. you know, and I just, I, I'm, I'm the OGs teach me so much. And yeah. so I'm always, always learning. What?
1: Um, so let's, let's go back. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, cause I, I knew you from Columbia and, uh, And then all of a sudden I saw you popping up on CNN Mm. as like the uh, social media expert.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Um, I know you had moved to Atlanta. And so. Yeah. um, But talk about that. Talk about kind of because that's an example where I think of you as kind of, you know, coming out from behind the scenes. Right. Right. Being the guy on TV. Right. um, Which, you know, from the outside seemed like a smart move. Obviously, it was at a time when social media was just starting to be on people's uh consciousness yeah and there you were as as the guy that knew something yeah. that everybody else didn't yeah um how do you make those decisions and, and 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 what's the what's the downside to to kind of being out front
0: uh look i believe that i've been extremely fortunate to um have a series of career pivots and mm-hmm. life pivots and m- making myself comfortable being uncomfortable um and i left the record business in 98 to go into the dot-com world i went to the dot-com world amidst everybody going what are you doing like why would you be doing this sure um lived through that um you know we raised a lot of money we lost a lot of money um and then when i moved to atlanta i didn't want to be the music industry guy you know, and I just wanted to learn more about like traditional marketing and advertising, and so I started working at agencies, and I literally scrubbed my resume of all my music shit, wow, because no one really understood that we managed P and L, bought media, sure, yeah, like yeah we did yeah. all the things, yeah, it doesn't, but feel like
1: a real business,
0: yeah, it doesn't feel like a real business to people who don't know, mm-hmm. they just want to know about desi's child and the mm. Fujis, and i was mm-hmm. like but i really did real marketing and i thought that the advertising industry had some like mojo on like you know clearly they they've been around for years and they've been able to build these relationships with big brands mm-hmm. and position themselves as marketers but i always thought i was just as good as anybody in agencies like i was like i'm just as smart as that person like mm-hmm. why you know why because they work in an agency are they seen as like a marketer and i'm like i'm a marketer right and so i kind of put myself through through marketing school um, and I basically went and worked at agencies mm-hmm. and um, One of the benefits of moving to Atlanta was CNN's headquartered there and I just kind of like I kind of you know had worked at an agency a digital shop in London and um, You know learned a lot about you know co- I worked in the coca-cola building. So I mm-hmm. sat in the coke building and um I saw this hit, I saw this social media thing starting to take off and I had become friends with Don Lemon and I was like hustling him like a, like a PD or an MD at a radio station. Mm -hmm. I was like, dude, you should put me on the air and let me like talk about social media Mm -hmm. and I'll teach you Foursquare and Twitter and all these tools. And so I would like grab breakfast and lunch with Don Lemon Wow! and I taught him how to use the tools. Oh, that's cool. And he put me on the air for like four minutes and I would talk for like a minute of it. He would talk for three. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know just got really good at like, you know like talking in staccato, mm-hmm. doing interviews, um, and just diving in and talking about the context of, of a big global story and where digital transformation was intersecting with that. And um, just so happened that I lived in Atlanta, and they would call me often, and yeah. just kept doing it and, um, and, and, you know and, and, and I kind of got to a point also. And that's kind of where I am today. I was like, ah, I don't want to be the social media guy. It was like yet right. another sure. pivot. But I was like, oh, people know me by being the social media dude, and I just didn't want to be the social media dude anymore. Um, so it's interesting. Like it's, i an. I, int- I've, I've come to an interesting place in my life of yeah. like, I often like, grow tired of the of mm-hmm. the people see you as one thing because I think I'm I'm many different things, mm-hmm. and so that, anxiousness drives me to learn something new.
1: So uh, talk about that. Is it? Is it, you know, you mentioned the Lean Startup, right? And so the Lean Startup methodology is is going into it knowing that the pivot's coming. Yeah. You're kind of building to that, right? Um, so how conscious are you? Like, do you wake up one morning and you're like, it's time to pivot? Or is it in your moleskin that that's the plan from the beginning? Or is it like in the rear view, you go, "Oh, that's what we did last year, Or is it something I haven't? Uh,
0: something it is con- it is very conscious. It is a wake up in the morning thing, yeah, because I have to like go to the class at Reber, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying like I got go to the I got go to the UCLA class, and I do consciously go, I'm going to learn as much as I can about this thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna put myself on a diet of information and people and meetings that are aligned with that thing. And I'm gonna demystify that thing through information and through education and through meetings and Mm. through people. And I literally dedicate a percentage of my time to that thing and just the the, the investments get bigger. So me learning about venture capital was sitting in Atlanta. I'm not a finance degreed guy Mm -hmm. in fact my grandfather was rolling over in his grave was an accountant i'm horrible with numbers and horrible (laughs) in my business coming up with with money i'm not the person who's like should be the cfo of my company but what i do understand with investment is it's more than just being an accountant Mm -hmm. Um, it is it is what i did at columbia records which is helping the investor at that time it was sony music make sound investments in the asset, right? Which is what I did at Columbia Records Mm -hmm. uh, with my artists, you know, and it's so it's, it's, I began to like feel more comfortable in my skin about like, oh, I don't have a finance degree, so I can't be a venture capitalist. And more, really more comfortable with like my spidey sense and my hunch and like my ability to read a room. But to get there, no one's going to take me seriously as a venture capitalist unless you've done some things. And so... I'm like, you know, advising funds. I'm advising startups. I spend lots of time with VCs, but I also understand capital structures now. So I'm mm-hmm. spending time with family offices, private equity, high net worth individuals. What's right. their inv- What do they invest in? Why would Kevin Garnett invest in this thing? Mm-hmm. Why would Kanye invest in this thing? And I, my particular sweet spot is. Artisans celebrities influencers and understanding why or why they why or why not mm-hmm. Around what they invest in I mean, mm-hmm. you got two hundred fifty thousand dollars. You got half a million dollars Do you buy a watch or do you put money into ring? Right? Hello Nas, right? right? Like why did you do that? Who told you that and how'd you get in that deal? Mm-hmm. Like what room because mm-hmm. I know it's really mm-hmm. hard to get the deals. Sure. So how did you get in the room to get the deal? So I've been like on a probably my most recent pursuit has been around understanding capital structures, understanding venture capital, understanding startups. And yes, I woke up probably, you know, six years ago, I guess, probably, and said, I really want to like, you know, because I started getting exposed to more people. I was there when this guy Travis had an idea for a company called Uber. Mm-hmm. I was there, you know, I I saw these founders in these, in these communities I was in and I was like, man like how does that happen you know and you know i grew up in silicon valley and a lot of my friends from high school you know were had done well for themselves in the dot-com world yeah and i missed that whole boat because i I didn't stay in the bay i went in the music business Mm -hmm. you know and so um so yeah i've just been on this i also when someone tells me i can't do something and then no one outright said that right. but there was that posture of like sure. this is venture this is for us right. you go and bring me rappers and ball players right. that's your role I'm like hmm okay what do you know and what's the mystery behind it right. that's kind of the pursuit I'm on now but yeah I mean every pivot I've made has come with this sort of academic like you know I'm gonna figure this out mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I what, that's the way I treat life I love it yeah.
1: If you're enjoying this one, uh, let's go back in the Rebel Radio archives. Check out my interview with AJ Shaw, AJ was the founder of Serato, which, if you're not a DJ, Serato is the uh, the software that really revolutionized DJing and made it possible for DJs to move across the world without carrying records. Um, and he's got some great stories about really uh, what you know what DJ culture has meant to him and, and what he's meant to it. So you can check that one out as well. Let's talk about labels. Mm-hmm. I know you know we you know you start out talking about your uh, your background, you know your ethnic background, and like mm-hmm. th- there's not a there's not a label that sort of accurately captures you Mm -hmm. right as you said you you know you can think of yourself as a black man Mm -hmm. but that's not really the whole story right Uh, you can think of yourself as multiracial but even that that doesn't right that doesn't capture it um and you know i think we can apply that to our careers yeah it's hard to find a job title yeah that's meaningful yeah um yeah yeah you know we can apply that to being a hip-hop fan right that doesn't support Presume that you're gonna like Depeche Mode.
0: That's right, right. That's and right. So
1: things. So so I, you know, I, I struggle with that a lot in, mm. in my own life, um, because our backgrounds are very similar. But also, in you know, we have this need as humans to put labels on shit. Totally. Right. This is a rock song or a country song yeah. or a rap song. It's right. There's no and. That's right. Right. Yeah. Um. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. We need to label people. We need to label businesses. And, so good. You know all of this stuff but you you know but you also work with with startups right yeah and the the elevator pitch the right the the tagline those things are so important yeah right and yeah and they're they're both kind of bullshit and also really important right you want people to invest in your startup you want people to sign up yeah for your social network yeah like, they need to be able to quickly and easily understand what it is. Totally. So I guess, I know I'm rambling a little bit, no. but I guess, like, how do you reconcile those two things in your own life? Yeah, gosh, course?
0: you brought some really um, interesting points, and in, in, in you picked up, and you're a wise man, in, in, in that I have fought against labels, you know, in my whole life, I guess. It's funny, because even in the platform, in the, the authenticated platform, you have to choose a title, And people are like, ah, I can't, you know. No, I
1: wrestled with that. I'm like, am I I in marketing? Am I in the music business? Am I. Yeah, and it's beautiful because I I, I,
0: I have the same problem. And they all apply to me, like art director to entrepreneur to, you know. And um, I think, yeah, growing up the way I grew up, like it never felt like, you know, like it's the whole story. So, like, you know, I'd be talking to someone who's like white and they're like, I'll give you, I went to Israel. People are like, this is why we're this way. You know, there's the Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Museum. Yeah. And I remember, I won't even say his name. A friend of mine was like, "This is why." And I'm like, "My grandfather's from that room right there, the Germany room." So, mm-hmm. I'm like, homie, we're, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you can lay all that down, player. Like, I'm, you, I'm all of you. Yeah. I, you know. For sure. And I, I, feel that way about career. Same thing too. Like, like I am music business, but I am venture. Right. I am all the things. Yeah. And I feel like this next generation is ready for that. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm, I'm more like a 17-year-old girl than I am a 15-year-old guy. I think more like my daughter does, you right. know. And they don't see labels in the same way, this next generation. And in many ways, I like, I'm here for all that. Like, I, I really get along with teens in that way because they don't see it in the same way. Right. And, you know, as a subset, we grew up in the Bay where we listened to all kinds of things and music and so forth. But yeah, like I, I don't really do well with labels. I fought against it, and I have grace for people for someone sitting across from me who's like, oh, he's talking. He thinks I'm the music guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or he mm-hmm. thinks I'm the this guy. Mm-hmm. And I've learned to ha- to have grace and to learn in the middle of this conversation with this person. You're gonna know that I'm much more than what I know. You're looking at me right now, and you're like, you think I'm this one thing, and that's okay because that's the way society is is sort of trained you. Mm -hmm. But I'm gonna teach you in this conversation that you're with me, that I am way more layered than who you think I am. Sure. Whether that's ethnically, whether that's um, you know, occupationally, all those kinds of things. So, I'm so glad you asked that question because I think that's my core is like, I want that for everybody. Because I don't go in a situation just going, oh, you're just Josh Levine. You know what I mean? Like, I can make any assumption about who you are. For sure. And I want the same thing of me. It's actually what made, I'm so glad you asked that question, it's actually what made my experience in the South really interesting. Because Mm. my mother was always like, oh, white people with Southern accents, they're all Klan members, right? Right. So I I was like, at first I was like, man, I'm scared of white people with these like twangs. But then I was like, how dare... I have that attitude about them, and I don't want that of myself. Right. And the best conversations I had were twangy. The best people I know in the South have a real deep twang, and they sound like this from this. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they're good people. And like, yeah. if I just went, "Oh, you're dumb," or yeah. "You're from the South," sure. or "You're slow," I would have never made it. I, I had such a rich experience in the South, and so, yeah, it's a constant. Uh, it's part of my journey. It's a. It's man. In this. Podcast I think it is be, for all of us, right? Yeah, it's, it's impossible. I don't think so, though. I think some people are really comfortable and actually uncomfortable with multi-layered label. You know, like I make people uncomfortable.
1: Oh no no no! <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Some yeah. people are not on that journey. Not on that journey. I guess what I'm saying though is I think it is. Um, it is a our natural reaction. Somebody walks through that door, you're yes. going to make judgments about a,
0: a thousand percent it
1: based on their skin Myself color, included. how they're dressed, how their body included. shape, all that. Myself right? included. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. and you know, for those of us who have chosen or who who are who are trying to move beyond that, yeah, that's a process that's that a never process. goes away. Never goes away. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I'm fighting all the time.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm going to meet with a guy right now. My next meeting. I'm like I had him pegged all the way wrong. Yeah, he's a wonderful guy. Yeah, and and sometimes it's what other people say about those people. Of course. Oh, that's James. The I, yep. I love hearing what people assume who I am. They're like, Oh, I heard about you. Oh, really? Right. Okay, tell me who. What, have you what do you What do you know about me? Yeah, you're that guy. Sure. Right. Okay. Let's work from there. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's crazy. You ask great questions.
1: Nice. Well, I have a little lightning round before we let okay, you cool. go. Okay. Um, cool. We could do this all day, man. This is I know. this is it's so good. much fun. Uh as I knew it would be. So what's your favorite city to travel to?
0: Ooh, favorite city to travel to um just in my history of, of, of cities so far has been um I don't have one, so
1: That's okay. We can take
0: uh Stockholm, yeah. Tel Aviv, um, Dubai abu dhabi um detroit mm. you know it's a new one for me i love detroit right now um yeah those are probably Joburg.
1: oh cool yeah that's a great list yeah detroit um l- listen to that miles davis biography he tells the yeah. story of how he moved from New York to Detroit to get off heroin because he knew the drugs there were shitty. Oh, wow. And that he wouldn't enjoy shooting yeah. it.
0: Oh, wow, oh, wow. Uh, so that was, that's in what I, I think of Detroit. Detroit, Detroit but,
1: yeah. uh, he lived there for a little while. Yeah. Who's your favorite DJ? Jazzy Jeff. Mine too. Um, I know you're a reader like I am. What, what's the last great book that you read?
0: Um. The last great book I read um, is probably one I read every year, Thick-Faced Black Heart.
1: I'm reading it now because of your recommendation. I'm about three quarters through it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, a life changer. I've never heard of it, and it's great.
0: It's a life changer. It's a a kind of annual read for me. Yeah. I befriended the author author when I was at UCLA. Yeah. um, Ding Chu. And uh, she's now since passed away, but she was was a, a great mentor of mine.
1: Mm, yeah, it's a great book. Um, what movie have you seen the most in your life?
0: Uh, probably like Godfather. Probably, yeah, Godfather or great. Five Heartbeats. That's, that's time well spent. Oh, yeah, <laughs>
1: that's funny. Um, if you could wake up tomorrow having gained any one quality or ability, what would it be?
0: Uh, gained a new one or equality?
1: A, a new one.
0: Uh, I want to know more about how women think. Mm. I want I want to be inside the mind of of, of a woman.
1: Yeah, that's big. Mm. And back to what we're saying, right? Of putting yourself into somebody else's yeah, totally situation.
0: Totally. It would make me the most empathetic human on the planet if Mm -hmm. I could understand like how a woman thinks. I'd have no idea. I don't want to be a woman. I just want to understand. Yeah, I I
1: get it. Um, And uh, last, if I worked for you, what's something I would hear you say over and over?
0: Your network is your net worth.
1: Yeah. Yeah, wise words.
0: Wise words. Not mine. From a man who lives it. Yes not mine but yes no you, this is this is why we do what we do you know
1: that's dope, man i really appreciate all the wisdom all the stories um, come back anytime part this, 2 this man follow how, uh, the authenticated is going yeah um how should everybody find you find the
0: authenticated my easy i nabbed a, a good one back in the day i'm at key influencer across most social network platforms mm-hmm. um you know, look for look for culture signals, which is an email newsletter that I put out.
1: Um, yeah, definitely. We'll share a link to that. It's great. Yeah. Um, and everybody should subscribe. And yeah. Stay up
0: with the and if you're lucky, you'll get me authenticated. That's right. All right. Good.
1: Hey, I was James Andrews on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Uh, hit us up with a comment. You can hit hit us on Twitter or Facebook at Rebel Radio Net. Uh, you can find videos of many of our episodes on YouTube. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.